ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tom, Dick and Hyman show with me, Tom. And I'm back, baby. That's you love right. me. I'm back. Yeah. Back with the vengeance. Welcome back, Hymo. It's been a long time. Yeah, uh, the voice of reason has returned. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, Tim and Cameron are not dead. They survived last week's killer clown attack, same as I did. Yeah, it's a shame they dressed up like clowns and ran away and left you to shoot them up. Now, Tim donned his Spider-Man costume and just was kung fu chopping clowns' heads off. Yeah, sadly, we did survive last week's brutal killer clown attack. So it's another episode for you to endure. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do without us? You'd listen to a better podcast. That's what you'd do. Empty <laughs> air. Coming up, we're talking about South Africa's attempt to decolonize science. How the US presidential election is well and truly over. And kicking us off, the BBC makes a commitment to diversity, which has rubbed some people the wrong way. I mean, we've got a commitment to diversity at the Tom, Dick and Hyman show as well. That's why Tom hired me as the gay one. That's why I've changed genders to up our woman quota. So I'm male and gay, you're female and straight. I am now a black, transgender, paraplegic... Agrophobe. (laughs) 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 All right, so uh, earlier in the year, quite quietly, the BBC announced its newest diversity initiative, whereby it set a bunch of targets for both off screen and on screen talents. I mean, to think the budget went to getting rid of BBC Three just to pay for this, but... Yeah, just to, you know, put in that wheelchair ramp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> razor, razor thin budget they've got. <laughs> the BBC, they're trying to up their numbers in terms of... Uh, well, how did they break it down? It was ethnicity, gender, or lack thereof, mm. sexuality, and I think the last one was disabilities. You know what? It just means I'm going to have to get more creative when I apply for a BBC job. <laughs> Being Mom. a Jew isn't enough anymore. <laughs> Mum, can I borrow the uh, the disabled sign you've got on the car? I don't have a car, but I'll just carry it around with me. How many people are going to break their own leg as they go into the interview <laughs> just, to, like, just to have a visible disability? Now, this became quite prominent in the news recently. They announced this, like, months ago, mm. but no one, no one noticed. Nobody paid any attention. Not until something goes wrong with it. Yeah, until a white guy lost his job. Only then did people notice, and this guy, uh, have you, do you know him, John Holmes? Yeah, the, the comedian John Holmes on the Now Show. Yeah. Uh, he's been Very doing, funny guy. He's been doing that show for 20 years, I think, or at least no, the not, better part, not, 18, something like that. No, it's, it's not, he hasn't been doing it that long, man. He's only been doing it for about, since Punt and Dennis took over the Now Show, which was... That must about, have been in the 90s. Yeah, about 10 years. Well, it's up more than yeah, 10 years yeah, now. Yeah, just double, just double digits, but like... But um, he was... He came out on Twitter... Came out on Twitter. You can't say that anymore, can you? You've got to rephrase <laughs> that. He tweeted out that he had been fired, he'd been let go. Some people say like, oh, they just didn't renew his contract. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as getting fired. Your contract isn't being renewed. Yeah, yeah. They do, what, two, three seasons a year? Yeah, exactly. They, they flip between that and I'm sorry, I'm having a clue. He tweeted out, I've been fired and I was told the reason is... Uh, is because I'm a white male. Wow, he put it succinctly like that. Well, he said, because obviously he put this tweet out, it went a little bit viral, not completely mm. viral. Like, people in Chile don't know who John Holmes is. But they do now! <laughs> oh, Senor Holmes, but- we feel very sorry for you. <laughs> Would you like to come for Colombian radio? <laughs> we are victims of racism too. It was misconstrued. Mm. It uh, The media spun it as though he was whining about the fact he got fired. 
And it's not that he, um, he's a comedian and made it, and (laughs) you read it with a slight slant. Yeah. Because I'm a white man. You give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But he was saying, look, I'm not complaining the fact that I lost my job. I'm saying they shouldn't have, they should never have told me it's because I'm a white guy. Mm. They should have just said, listen, the format we think is getting a little bit old. We're changing it up. He said, I think the now show is like, I think it's three white guys. It's Punt and Dennis. They both, yeah, I think it's also got, um, who's the guy? That, Rory Bremner on it. He does a oh, lot right, of yeah, it. I love yeah. Rory. He used to do a lot of stuff on it as well. Rory does actual uh, political humor. Yeah, but we're getting way, way, way off topic here. John Holmes came out and said, Oh, I'm not upset that they fired me. I'm upset the fact they said it's because you're a white guy. Mm. They should have just said, we're changing the format. Maybe we want two women, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're changing up the style of it. And that's why he's leaving, because he's been there for a long time anyway. First things first, we're cool with people having jobs. Doesn't mean you're black, white, whatever, (laughs) right? Yeah. We're, We'd yeah, rather I, people have jobs than not have jobs. Yeah. Exactly. And like bit of a Tory light there. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is like we're not against diversity. On the face of it, no. Yeah. But we hate the steps this forced uh this forced diversity is going in. In the Tom Deck and Home, we're not against diversity. We've got an intern who little Jorge, a little Filipino boy. Yeah, yeah. So we can't he, even judge him or her. He's the guy who fixes my lawnmower. but we've got a problem with how that's being rolled out let's slow down a little bit because let's go through what some of these targets are Mm. so we're gonna have a little look at the bbc targets their figures right now bear in mind these are both for on-screen talent and off-screen so behind the camera as well so are these figures they want to get or figures they have these are targets they are hoping to hit by 2020 so in terms of off-screen, which includes all staff and, perhaps most importantly, leadership roles. Women. 50% of all staff must be women. By at 2020. BBC. But what was mm. it in 2017? Not, Not 20... applicable. They don't want... They didn't want women back in 2017. So all staff have to be 50% women by 2020. I mean... Leadership. All leadership staff, which I'm guessing is like middle management and upwards, that's maybe... I mean, yeah, mass middle management upwards. Yeah. yeah. They, that all has to be 50% women. Disability. I'm guessing wheelchair bound. Yeah. Uh, speech impediment. Maybe, I mean, like. Missing fingers. Black, Asian, and ethnic minorities. All staff. 15%. Oh, I don't think we said disability was 8%. 8%. Now, I don't think 8% of the country. I think that's like an overrepresentation. Do you know what I mean? Now, they're going to struggle to hit that target if there's only, like, if it's 6% of. Britain's a disabled. But if they get a woman who is right. in a leadership role that's in a wheelchair, boom, a percent. Two boxes ticked. Two for the price. boxes. No, three boxes ticked. Three for the price of one. I mean, maybe they're going to stretch the word leadership to inspiration. Look how she tries. Yeah. <laughs> so black, Asian, ethnic minorities, 15%. Mm. And I think the uh, UK... Demographic-wise, ethnic minorities make up, I think, it's about 12.5%. So that's an overrepresentation. Not that that's that bad. What's popped in my head now, actually? Maybe they're just doing... Maybe they know they've got that many people coming to them, and they're just changing their figures, kind of going, like, yes, we have this in the pocket. Change it. They Say are, we wanted this. Some people have got upset about these diversity targets. We're not upset with them on the face of it. No, Jorge's fine num- with it. Yeah. <laughs> the number one complaint was, oh, these targets are above what the... National uh, average. Yeah. And uh, last, but certainly not least, LGBT, 8% as well. 8% disabled, 8% LGBT, 15% 
ethnic minority, 50% women. All right. I've got a thing about LGTB. LGBTQ. Whatever. Whatever. KRSY. I think you can't get fired for it, but you shouldn't be hired because of it. As in, I don't like the idea of saying to someone, Are you gay? Brilliant. Yeah. We need one of those. We've got a hole. We've got a, well, we've got a hole for a gay, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a position, we've got a vacancy hmm. for a gay person right now. Like, I don't like the idea of people talking in that I mean, way in terms of employment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Hiring it's, people. It's, it's, it's insulting. I mean, you'll get, you'll get people going like, but it's, we're not getting jobs because of it. Going like, you're right. You shouldn't be stopped from it, but no one should push you forward because of it. I'm thinking like in media, why we both kind of work in media. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the admin side, office work kind of side, I'm data the- entry <laughs> side. I'm in the trenches. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You're getting your hands dirty. Yeah. Through. A lot of us get hired through recruitment agencies. Mm. Yeah, media companies tend to want to go to a specialist media recruitment agency. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just picturing a future where you get that phone call. Hi, Tom. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Are you a free agent at the moment? Yeah, I am a free agent. Um, you're, you're gay, right? Are no, you, I'm not gay. Are you? Oh, God. Um, do, you, do you wear the left-handed slipper? Do you fly fly south of the window? (laughs) (laughs) And then you say no, and it's like, oh, actually, no, we don't have anything for you. But I am looking forward to the new sitcom about a a pretender to be gay to get this job. I better rewatch Tootsie again. (laughs) Um, Back to the figures. Back to the figures, yeah. No more Tootsie. It's looking like the figures for both on screen and off screen have been, uh, what would you, would you call it normalized? I don't know. They're they're the same. Yeah. No, I I don't know. They're equal, basically. So 50% women all across the board, 8% disabled, 15% ethnic minority, and 8% LGBT. Quick question. And Q and plus and whatever. The targets they had for 2017, when did they set those? Probably about 2014. 2014, yeah. So, I mean, is that because they reached them? I doubt it very much. Any, yeah, this is Britain. It? It's a good decoy. It's a good deflection from the fact you didn't you didn't reach the targets this yeah, time no, around. You it, don't, is, well, I mean, it doesn't matter because we put the targets up for next time. Yeah. It's a good deflection from people I'm, pointing I, out you don't actually hit your targets. And I this is Britain. We don't hit targets in Britain. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we fall well short. That's our tradition. That's our culture. But how do you feel about... These figures, do, do the numbers themselves bother you in any way? No, look, I mean, if they if you set such a high benchmark and they start to... I see it more like when you've got a friend that's never on time and you tell him to come half an hour early. Yeah. I feel that's you say friend, you meant yeah. girlfriend, didn't you? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel that's very much like it. These numbers are going to like, we want to get 50%, but if we can get 15 that's, I mean, that's us moving forward. Yeah, that's it, us opening the floodgates to this. It could be the case that putting the target up higher is how you drag yeah. the real number up anyway. You kind of have to keep raising that target. Mm. But I just think the problem I have with it is I believe in, to some extent, to some sort of merit. The meritocracy kind of thing. Or a merit system. So, like, if you've worked hard enough, you move up. Well, and, the, and no, and the, and the problem is, you get a lot of people that just you won't get hired because you're good at the job. You get hired because you're easy to work with, or that you're good at it. The preference really is you want to be hired because people think, oh, you're good at this. That's why we're going to hire you. We're going to pay you more money. But the, for me, we work. We both work in media, and I think it's true that there is a distinct. There's a distinct lack of black brown faces in media, and there's a distinct lack of working class 
voices in mm. media. I mean, it's that's... a very white, very middle class industry. Yeah, I mean, that's... And these figures, I think these are about getting a foot in the door. So you, you see it as a positive thing? Yeah, I think it's about... I remember, do you remember in the 90s, um, Channel 4 would... I think it was part of their remit as their mm. specialist public service. Well, they got some weird public service set up, Channel 4. Side note, I remember Channel 4 being brilliant. But these, this is what I'm talking about. They were really ballsy and edgy, and they gave, they went out and they found black producers, black directors, mm. black talent, on-screen talent, gave them budgets and let them make shows. you remember the Desmonds? Yeah, Desmonds. I also remember on BBC Two, um, The Real McCoy, which was a black sketch comedy show, live sketch yep. comedy, which awesome. And they did the Asian one as well. Oh, goodness gracious me. Oh, goodness gracious goodness me, yeah. Gra- it was fucking brilliant. Mm. And that was kind of, that's kind of died away a little bit. Uh, no, that's and because the- there's a whole Asian network. That's the problem. You've demanded your own separate little encampment. Yeah. To me, I split that as, uh, there's commercial television. Yeah. And then there's entities Niche. like the BBC and Channel 4. And BBC and Channel 4, they have to try and be as representative yeah. as humanly possible, right? And that's why they're think, fighting a battle they can't win. But it's not it's it's not enough to go, well listen, Asians, black you've got these uh Indian TV channels, Pakistani TV channels, Nigerian, Ghanaian, mm. there's all different manner of TV channels. And saying the BBC kind of having that attitude of, well listen, we're just gonna keep being really white, really middle class, because you guys, you've got your own networks and these are our networks. No, do you but, know what I mean? I no, don't, but that, that's the thing, I don't see it like that. I see it as like They've got more I, access to these yeah, channels. Yeah. They've they've gone to it as opposed to being shunted, being told they haven't got access to it. And that's why you don't have a lot of Asians, blacks watching these channels. And you're wondering, well, why are we getting these things? We need more black people on there. And like, that's not going to bring you to it. It's a systemic thing. The channel, the brand represents is more of a barrier than the actual programming on it. There's two sides to the systemic take on it. In the sense that there's the one side of the audience and the choices they're making as an audience. Yeah. What they want to watch and what have you. And then there's the production side and it's there's kind of a limit in terms... There's a limit to the audience's choices in terms of what is actually made. Yeah. And the problem with the ethnic minority channels, the dedicated channels, they have tiny teeny tiny budgets yeah they haven't got anything to do like there was a, i don't i don't watch coronation street but i know just via osmosis there was a big tv event this week with coronation street and really? it was a big budget there was like some massive car pile up or something like that uh-huh. and it was shot really well yeah that takes a shitload of money to make things like that and the bbc has a shitload of money and like i said there is a like it's media across the board is very white very middle class and i'd much i think things like this are not a bad idea Mm. i can understand why people get annoyed with it i can understand why someone might look at these figures and go these are over representative yeah and the bbc's response to that is to say well we're we're looking ahead anyway these are targets for 2020 i'm not saying by 2020 these targets will actually be representative but they're planning for the future Mm. but i can understand why some people might view this as this is just as anti- an attack on the old standard. It's an they might view it as like an attack on white people, which is stupid. It's an anti-white thing. But getting back to the story, yeah. Trevor McDonald, once he caught wind of these BBC diversity targets, he came out and said he doesn't like the idea of it because he thinks people are going to be told the only reason you're here mm. is because you fill this quota. And there is some evidence that would back that. I know that in Germany, I think recently in the last couple of years, they made it women would be appointed to boards of directors of the big mm. companies. The government would just appoint them to yeah. it. And 
they found very, very quickly that a lot of these women resigned. And uh, the reason being, everyone in the company knows they were appointed by the government so for that they're, position. They're, they're toothless. In a sense, they didn't earn it. And yeah. everyone knows, from everyone who's on the board to middle management to under middle management, the cleaners even know, <laughs> you didn't work your way up, you were appointed here. And that's like that's, that's totally unfair on them, because the government's they're not complete retards. They're going to get capable women. They're not going to appoint just random women to the board. But it, they're tainted, in a way. So Trevor McDonald saying, oh, they're going to be told it's because they're blah, blah, blah. I don't think so. I think someone like John Holmes will be told he's been fired because he's white, but I don't think people are going to be told you were hired because you ticked this box. I would like to know how he was told because I don't think he was told he was it was because he was white. This is he might he might be lying. He might have really whined about the fact that he was fired because he's a white guy, and And then he spun it. Yeah, as no, 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 no. I'm just saying they shouldn't have said that to me. He might just be spinning his way out of trouble. They they, they might have done something stupid and talked about, like, why why he's gone, because they have this push soon. And they're going like, oh, well, I've extrapolated one set of information. One and one equals five. He's assuming, like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Possible. Or, Or maybe he wrote it as a joke. How do you feel about, if I'm consuming media... Yeah. Whether it's online, TV, radio, whatever. I can't go more than a few hours without hearing the words about, like, diversity, uh, representation, representatives on screen. Like, do you know what I mean? And I feel like we're kind of getting a little bit navel-gazing on this. Like, diversity is becoming almost like a buzzword. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It just Mm. means you have to say it to implement or look to be implementing it. It's fashionable. Yeah. It's a fashionable term. So I, my fear is something's getting lost here in a sense of diversity doesn't necessarily mean you've got five people who have different skin colours, different backgrounds and all different religions, whatever, sexuality, but they all kind of think the same. That's not diversity. If they all think the same, that's conformism. But then like, this, this, Diversity this, yeah. without diversity of thought, to me, is there's no... What, where's the value in that? But in essence, that's what you want. In a business, you want people thinking the way you want. I genuinely get nervous about the way in society the window of what is an acceptable opinion on any given subject has shrunk and it's kind of like things that really aren't beyond the pale mm. are, are deemed beyond the pale because they're outside of this com- amazingly narrow window. I find the best way if you want to have a conversation with someone you don't agree with them is you can't give your opinion but you have to ask them to back up their uh, ask them to break down their opinion. And the best way you can get to anything is kind of go like, well, have you thought of, have you thought of? Never stating your side, but always kind of seeding your idea a little bit. It's a little bit Weasley. At some point you've got to state what you believe as well. No, not if you want to get along with these people for a while. I don't know. I saw this the other day, someone going online. Oh, all of my friends are left wing. All of them, like we all agree. We all have the same opinion on all these different subjects. And I don't even have any friends that think differently to me. And I was like, fucking hell, that's is that, bad. Is that pride in that? They were boasting about it. Like, what What do you think bigotry is, <laughs> if not that? <laughs> I hate the way people think, well, just because I say I'm not racist, that means I'm not a bigot. No, bigot, bigotry is wider. It's a wider net mm. than that. Big, you know, bigotry is more of an emotional connotation to it as well. Well, it's just if you, if you hate anyone just because they're mm. different to you. And that can mean a difference of opinions. You're a bigot if you hate them for it. Mm. We're a bit obsessed about diversity and all that. It's starting to become hollow. Our idea of diversity and 
representation. I'm noticing now with MPs, yeah, this idea of they should be representative of me is starting to be really shallow in the sense that people, it, it, it translates into my MP should look like me. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, you, MPs and stuff like that are aggregates. They can't be everyone. <laughs> yeah, you can't. But more and more, it's kind of, well, look, I'm on the face of it. We don't have a problem with an initiative for our recruitment drive to get more ethnic minorities, gays, lesbians, transgenders, mm. whatever, get the number up. We don't have a problem with that on the face of it. I think there's going to be a knock-on effect where um, does an actor, to play a gay character, does an actor have to be gay? No. That's, what, that's a kind of question that arises from this. No. The problem is, is the limited scope people have for entertainment. I can't watch a show about a person in a wheelchair. I'm not in I a don't, wheelchair. I don't, I don't understand that at all. How will they go on the dynamic car chase or something like that? I just feel sorry for them. They're like, grow yeah, up. Yeah, you can't relate to them in a way. Like, do you remember Star Wars? There was a point in my life where I wanted to be Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian is an awesome character. He's also black. I'm not black. But the character itself, his traits, he's deeper than that. So you can relate to the character rather than start like prescribing what their ethnic heritage is and do you know what i mean like no. just take them for the character that they are it's why it's why in cosplay people dress up like women dress up like han solo black people dress up like han solo you don't have to go like well i need a gay character and that's the only one i can be and stop limiting me because i don't like that character but it's the only one everyone sees me as. like it's some form of appropriation but, that but i'm mean, thinking yeah. with these bbc diversity figures along with this the knock-on effect say someone writes a character who's transgender but you know how stories are basically it in a sense good guys versus bad guys yeah heroes yeah. villains right and say like a transgender character is written to be a villain. Mm. Somebody's getting pissed off at that. Someone's making a big stink about it. Even though you'd think, in terms of equality, that a transgender character would be able to be everything. Yeah, good um, guy, bad that, guy. That's the problem. People are taking the real world and ascribing it to a sitcom or a drama or something. They're going like, well, we were held back for so long. How would that person ever become a mad scientist now? But you're going to get more transgender characters, gay characters, ethnic minority characters, but people are going to start complaining. Oh, why are they this? Why are they that? That's why can't not they fair be to the this. hero? Yeah, like, why are they... Oh, they have, they have um, like, negative character traits. Huh? What's going on there? Why who wrote this? Be the hero? Who wrote this? I wonder what colour the person was who wrote you know, this. We need, we who need... shot this? Who directed this? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People are going to start thinking like that. We need Russians to be the bad guys in everything again. <laughs> that was the only way we could actually have a clear idea of who was good and who was bad. Yeah, the accent. Russians, bad. And then it was English people in the movie. In the mid-90s, it was English people with the bad people. There's no end to these kind of things until uh, people just kind of give up on the whole thing. Because I, I, um, I can't remember exactly who it was, but there was some woman recounting this story of how she was going to a meeting of this new movement that was all about inclusivity. Completely inclusive. Everyone can be a part. Yeah. And then... Except people that don't want anything inclusive. Yeah. But there's <laughs> there was a point where they're going through all... They were kind of grouping themselves off. And they were coming uh -huh. up with all the different kind of groups they could possibly be. The woman who was recounting this story, she said, I got up and left at the point when they started getting down to like... Like people with food what? allergies. People with skin rashes. Like they were breaking that's, people down into these groups. And she's like, there, there is no end to this kind of thinking. In terms of hiring practices now... Yeah. And... Feel free to correct me, but 
are we gonna get to that point where say you've hired someone who's like a chinese transgender paraplegic bilingual like i don't know do you know what i mean you you hire someone who well, ticks you, you hire them if they're bilingual <laughs> it's brilliant anyway <laughs> but they tick a whole ton of these mm. quota boxes yeah. right what happens if they decide to leave they take a job somewhere else or your quotas now you're not hitting them anymore because one person left the chances of you hiring someone exactly like them because you've only got one vacancy at the moment yeah so the chance of you hiring someone who ticks all the same boxes is virtually nil. So what you're going to have to do to meet your quotas again is fire a couple of straight white guys for the hell of it just to open up a space for someone else who will fill a quota. But no, that, that's the thing. I disagree because you've got you're going to have people. The BBC <laughs> have met their quota by hiring that person. Doesn't yeah, matter if they, they hit that bar. Yeah. Doesn't matter. They cleared over it. Yeah, yeah, they cleared over it. That person can leave like a, a, a couple of months later, but the BBC can say we met the quota by getting this person. They could they could fake the stats by just hiring people and then firing them a month later because they met mm. the stats they needed for 2020. I don't think we're not saying they're going to do that. No, but, but you can fake it. You don't have to uh, hire the same person. What you hope is by doing this this strategy of looking to hire this many people, the people that in HR are open to hiring more. Yeah, I like the idea. Um, this has been trialled at a few American companies. I think we mentioned it before where you take the names off of the CV. Yeah. So if they do, if uh, an applicant has an ethnic sounding name, for lack of a better term, that's not known until at least the interview phase. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I hope that doesn't go too far. And it's like the witness protection thing. They've just... <laughs> Behind behind a screen with a voice synthesizer, allowed <laughs> <laughs> to move. Um, yes, I have eight years' experience. <laughs> That's a very good question. I feel what I would do is I would first research the project and then. But filling in the forms would be a lot quicker. There's no gender. There's no ethnicity. <laughs> you gentlemen, to... you've hired Jackie. <laughs> All you got to do is like there'll be one box that says, "Can you read this?" Yes, no. <laughs> We're looking for a creative person, so we want them to write in the word maybe. Yeah, if you want to work for the Tom, Dick and Hyman show, as always, the only thing we ask is that you come with your own opinions and that you don't actually really care if anybody gets offended. You're not coy about expressing yourself. Basically, Donald Trump, we know you've got, you're about to have a lot of free time in your hands, Donald. (laughs) If you want to come on to the Tom, Dick and Hyman show, we'll welcome you. We We might not agree with you. But you'll be able to say what you want to say. You know what I want to say? I want to see the new Donald Trump apprentice show where he shows where they can be his congressional aide. Like, where in his world, he is the president. He's the president. <laughs> yes, Donald Trump. The me, me, Donald Trump. We mentioned last week how he's pretty much dead in the water. Much to a. Uh, Tim's chagrin. Oh, Tim loved him. He wish he could be adopted by him. So the election is such a foregone conclusion right now that you know the um, gambling site Paddy Power. Yeah, they've already paid out to people who bet Hillary was going to win. Do you think if he wins by some margin, miracle, Paddy Power are going to ask for their money back? Well, I think legally they're <laughs> they're going to have to <laughs> they're going to have to get that money back. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure there's some consumer protection. Yeah, like once they've paid out, that's the end of the transaction. Whoops, you made a mistake. 
Yeah, and it would be terrible press for Paddy Power if it came out that actually they were chasing people up to say, listen, actually, uh, <laughs> we made an amateur mistake. Yeah. But Trump, ever the showman, he's trying to show he's he's not going down without a fight, you know, blah, 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 trying to act tough, be macho. He's saying he's not going to drop out, even though it's pretty obvious he's going to lose. I mean, in honesty, that's not too bad. It's better to have like a the semblance of a fight as opposed to a, a land, a, a look, an empty playing field for Hillary, because then that makes her look like she hasn't stolen it. They could potentially find someone to put up against Hillary, but they're going to lose this late in the game. Mm. Someone new coming in, we're probably going to lose. But I can't remember the guy's name, but he actually ran against Trump, I think, as an independent and beat him in some state. Okay. And I think Republicans are kind of like, you know, they're desperate for anything other than Trump. Yeah. They're looking at this guy. It's like, maybe maybe we could pressure Trump out. But Trump's right. saying, look, I'm not going anywhere. So- and he's also saying he's flirted. You know, like I say, he's a showman. You know, the tradition is you lose the election and you make that phone call to the other candidate. Yeah. You concede defeat to them. Trump's saying he's not going to do that. He's like, I'm only going to acknowledge the outcome if I win. And you're drunk, 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 drunk. But t- talking of the uh, the Republicans, do they control the... Uh, what, the Senate? The and, Senate. I think so, right now, yeah. Okay, so they're not up shit creek. Well, Trump might be fucking them over. We talked about this uh, on the last episode. That's really why you should listen to them, Heimo. I have two <laughs> jobs. I have barely enough time to listen to the stuff that make me happy. But some- <laughs> As opposed to angry on the train. <laughs> but... Some of, uh, well, quite a number of Trump supporters are being really vocal about how they want to punish the Republican Party because they think the Republican Party kind of, they're all like conspiratorial mindset mm. is kind of infesting politics. And they're, they're saying like r- the Republicans set him up to fail. Like I've seen people on the internet go. Set him up to fail. He yeah. sets himself up to fail. He stands up on the biggest podium and says, look at me. If I turn him, <laughs> if I blink, you all die. <laughs> But you know how some people think, oh, Republicans, Democrats, they're really, they're on the same team. They all work for the same paymasters. I'm seeing people now saying they put Trump up there so Hillary couldn't lose. Like, the establishment wanted Hillary. And so the, they and, found and, this wild, this crazy, cowboy, vulgar, crass And their their Frankenstein monster yeah. got out of control. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, he was way more popular than they thought he was going to be. <laughs> I mean, I think we can agree that no matter what happens with Donald Trump, that he has changed the face right now in the in the next couple of si- uh, election cycles. He's changed the face of American politics. He's lowered the bar. Yeah, but um, I, think, I think he's also changed how people uh, want... I mean, <laughs> fuck's sake, I thought the bar had been lowered when Arnold Schwarzenegger became a senator. Celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Arnold actually turned out to be all right. I think that was the surprising thing with Arnie. Yeah, I mean... He wasn't nearly as... um, He wasn't nearly as to the right as people thought he was. Mm. But what we're going to say about Trump, he's lowered the bar in terms of what you can say and still get away with. Yeah. That bar's been lowered a bit. But how much... I mean, that's going to bounce back up because the only thing protecting him was his bravado. That and the fact that... You, You can't see any other politician, a professional politician can't say that as he is a showman that can get away with it that's us the audience allowing him to get away with it because he's a showman we wouldn't let a politician get away with it i think he's been helped out quite a bit by the fact his opponent was hillary and hillary's like bill clinton was amazingly popular in the 90s even after the monica Lewinsky thing he was still popular it was the republicans that got him impeached got rid of him and um 
it was only until about 2005, 2006 that the American public started actually taking a closer look at Bill Clinton mm. and his transgressions. And then the kind of hate they had towards him spilled over towards Hillary. Yeah. And then Hillary in 2008 was like the white woman trying to get in the way of the first black president. And they've kind of, everyone's kind of just built Splitting up this hatred the vote would have been wrong, yeah. But they've built up this hatred for Hillary over the last 10 or 12 years. And that's why Trump gets away with a lot of stuff because it's, well, the, other, the one on the other side is fucking Hillary. Mm. We kind of, we'll let, we'll let something slide when it's against Hillary. But Trump has, he's been whining a lot about rigged elections. The game is rigged. I mean, when, so Trump's, when Trump's saying it, for the most part, he's just making an excuse for why he isn't winning in the polls. Okay, so it's hyperbole on his part. When Bernie Sanders was saying it, it yeah. was because the DNC were actually, they weren't being impartial towards him. They were trying to push Hillary forward. Mm. When Trump and Bernie say, like, oh, it's rigged, in a way, they're kind of right. Bernie was screwed by the DNC. He was, we don't want another Stalin in power. But he was screwed by them. Yeah. Trump, the Republican Party, they have, to a certain extent, been working against him. They haven't been trying to help him out at all, really. But, I mean, that's the fault of the Republican Party. They didn't put anyone with personality or anyone that's worthwhile up. Yeah, they're all kind of damp rags. Apart, from, I mean, Marco Rubio was the only one who wasn't a bit of a damp rag. Yeah, but he but was he, too, he's crazy. He was like a little boy. He's a crazy man. <laughs> and, well, Republican ticket. All There's right, always yeah. going to be a little bit of craziness, isn't there? But um, did you see, you know, do you remember James O'Keefe? This was the guy who helped. He was the guy who did like an undercover video of Acorn. And I think Planned Parenthood, and he got no, them like no, he got no. Acorn like shut down because of some video undercover video. Oh he did. yeah, he he cut it in such a way that it says like they're forcing them to abort and yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously he edited it to be as damning yeah much as possible. We all understand abortion clinics; they basically hire women to get pregnant so they can abort them. It's a self-sustaining economy. That's how you make money. You hire women at 20% of how much yeah. it costs for them to actually get the abortion. On one end, you've got the abortions going on. Yeah. At the other end, they're selling faulty condoms <laughs> to ensure there's constant comeback. But, I mean, there's also he did, like- you're right, though, to say that James O'Keefe did. He was, he was underhanded when it came to that. Mm. However, he's back round this time again. Oh, okay. This time, it's about the DNC organising vote fraud, also, it was revealed uh, through the WikiLeaks emails, it's been revealed that the DNC, they were hiring, oh, oh excuse me, both James O'Keefe and the WikiLeaks emails. Yeah. It's been revealed the DNC hired people, put them in a bus and sent them down to Trump rallies to go outside the Trump rally and start agitating people, start provoking them in the hopes that a Trump supporter would like punch them in the face or spit at them, something like that, because they knew the media were going to be outside looking for like fights going on but and they I, knew it would make you know the 10 o'clock yeah. news or whatever but and also, it happened it happened yeah. in chicago but it but it doesn't happen to the parole that they wanted because every it almost became a joke people seeing someone getting turfed out of a, of a trump rally and yeah. he made it work for him don't give him his coat yeah that was the famous line trump was like oh is that he left his coat don't give him his coat yeah it's our coat now that, i mean it didn't work i mean you, you can start yeah a, they turned a blind eye to yeah it. But That's America work. for you. It worked in the sense... Oh, by the way, it was admitted in one of these James O'Keefe videos that uh, some of these people were, uh, like, learning disabilities, not quite... Mm. I don't know what the phrase would be, but not quite a full six-pack, do you know what I mean? A couple of bottles short. Yeah, learning disability. And they were going down there with the intention of starting fights. So it would get on the news, and guess what? It worked. How much damage it did to Trump is... Negligible. 
arguably, yeah, it could be, yeah, like didn't really hurt him much at all. But it's kind he's of he's got every sign. disabled person's coat. <laughs> That's his next oh. industry: disabled people's coats. <laughs> but also, uh, was what was revealed with this James O'Keefe video was um, they bust people around to multiple precincts. Now, in terms like voter fraud, in terms of presidential elections, where people are like voting more than once, or hmm. uh, there was a big scandal, I think, back in the seventies, where dead people were voting, and not oh, only that, they were yeah, voting that was multiple. New York State, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. but things, it happens. These I mean, things do actually happen in America, where it's supposed to be the land of democracy. Hmm. It doesn't affect. It doesn't happen enough to affect the presidential outcome. Like Trump, Trump's not losing. Because no, he's no, getting screwed by voter fraud. It, you know, you're right, it does happen. But you, on the smaller local elections like that, what they'll do is they'll hire buses to go around to old age homes, get people to yeah. get on the buses, and tell them that's who they're voting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the bus that was rented for them. They're instructed. Yeah. But they'll I mean, go they, to they, they, multiple polling stations. That's illegal. Mm. And it does happen, and it's been known it's been happening, because there's um, exit polls are amazingly accurate. Forget mm. the... The pre-polling, the exit polls are accurate to like 98%. Yeah. Like, they're so accurate that if there's a disparity of 3% or more between the exit poll and the final result, that's taken as evidence of likely voter fraud. Yeah. Like, election fraud going on. And that happens all the time in America in these small elections. Mm. But these small elections... You're talking sheriff, you're talking uh, county courts and stuff like that, even down to that level. Yeah, and the, it all adds up in terms of getting legislation passed through. Yeah. Like, imagine someone who was elected through a fraudulent means being the final, the deciding vote on a bill passing. And people, the Americans are becoming, they're being fed this more and more. So, I mean, Trump's legacy, I mean, some people have been embarrassed by this. Elizabeth Warren, she yeah. when the message for the Democrats is point out that Trump's whining about getting screwed through rigged elections, right? So Elizabeth Warren tweets out, oh, Donald Trump, will you stop whining about rigged elections, blah, blah, blah. And then someone went through her Twitter feed and found tweets from her from about four years ago (laughs) saying the game is rigged, the little man can't win. She's saying all the exact same kind of things Trump was Mm. saying. And so, like, he's exposed a fair amount of hypocrisy on that side. And um, But I think that's kind of what his legacy will be. Do you feel like the world will be a lot less colourful without him in it? Less- uh, as, as a figurehead of, I mean, because in, in our minds for a few months, there was a, we had this idea of Trump being president. It was because he broke through so many of these barriers that people were saying, well, he's never going to, he's never going to be the nominee. And then he smashed mm-hmm. through that. Everyone kept saying Beating he's done now. He's done now. He's dead. And then he carried on. And some people might be listening to me saying mm. Trump's over. It's over. It's a foregone conclusion. Hillary's going to win. Going, yeah, <laughs> In a but, few months, yeah. Uh, everyone said that, didn't they? Like a year ago about Trump. Yeah. I think to talk of, because Trump's going to lose, but to talk of his legacy, his impact on political discourse. Yeah. He didn't create this, this notion of whoever wins, they won via fraud. Mm. Like fraudulent means. No, that, that's what every uh, person who starts losing says there must have been a conspiracy. Gore versus Bush. Yeah. That was hotly contested. A lot of Democrats were coming out and saying, I mean, I think even Hillary Clinton said at one point that George Bush, he stole the election. She alluded to the fact Mm. that he stole the election. And um, Hillary famously once said that herself and her husband were victims of a vast right wing media conspiracy. And it's like this kind of conspiratorial talk. It's nothing new to American politics. Trump didn't invent it. But I think the narrative that is pushed post Trump yeah. is that actually it did start with him and everyone's going to wash their hands of it 
those those people in the media oh, they, and they, the public. They're going to press the reset, and it's going to be. It's all all the blame for it is going to go on Trump, even yeah. though he didn't start this. He was just like the lowest point, the lowest mm. ebb of this kind of political discourse. Moving forward, though, every single election outcome in America. The people are going to have this little mental asterisk next to the winner's name, like every <laughs> single time. Oh, but did they win? Yeah, did they? Oh, I bet they stole it. They, you know, like they're cynical, mm. like we are. I mean, public trust of politicians—that's also, I think, at its lowest point. And I think Trump was—I don't think he helped with that. I don't think anybody cared about trusting Trump. I think they just wanted him laugh. I just—I think they wanted him to make them laugh. He's jabbing, you know, he's got a silver tongue in a way, and he's kind of spitting venom but he at these established it, figures. But he started as that, and as soon as he started to believe his own hyperbole, everyone started to believe it. You could almost mm. see the turn in him. Like, you, you, like you, he was yeah, that well, character he, on that show. Yeah, this is the thing. Just prior to the, uh, the third and final debate starting, mm. Trump revealed, he kind of teased out this idea of he might launch his own TV network, uh, hazard a guess at what he's going to call it. Oh, um... Trump Tower. Uh, Trump Stakes. Triumphant TV? Uh, just plain old Trump TV. That sounds like a fart TV. Trumped on television. And he's basically <laughs> saying it's going it, to be uh, like a it, cure to the mainstream television networks. It's sold as I'm gonna, as opposed to an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have any clear plan for his presidential run. He hasn't really got a clear plan for this. Though saying that, there will be money behind that. People will want that. Because uh, in America, it's all about advertising revenue. And they know who their, that brand is. Well, we'll just sell adverts for guns or adverts for this type of medication. It's going to be uh, cash for gold kind of stuff. Yeah. Doomsday prepping kind of stuff. I Shit, promise man. you it will be. That would be goddamn brilliant. The like, adverts, many, not the programming. <laughs> exactly. How many reality TV shows can you make around Donald Trump and the Trumps in general? How many camera crews can follow him around? Like, his life isn't that interesting. The channel will center around his hyperbole as telling the truth. So it'll be like a like a Fox, Fox News. News. Or yeah. It won't be hard investigative journalism. It'll all be nitpicking. But that's not, but that's the, not Trump's world, yeah. is news. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There would only be five-minute news bulletins. And what they'll do is they'll just buy shit that they know that that demographic want. I've got an idea for a show. Yeah. The real sexual assault victims of Manhattan. <laughs> so Trump's not the only one looking to be set up for a fall. Science must fall too. More on that in just a moment. Now, Jaime, do you remember we talked about Something earlier in the year called the Roads Must Fall campaign. I, mean, I remember it being about like how you went over a lot of potholes to get to this studio. All <laughs> oh, right, actual roads must ha, fall. Ha, ha, you can't see the spelling of it. <laughs> but this was the United Student Protest Movement demanding that like any depiction or even just mentions of Cecil Rhodes, Cecil Rhodes, they should be removed from university campuses and from textbooks and just. All references to this horrible old racist must be eliminated. Do you remember we said that uh, it wouldn't end with the toppling of a statue? I remember, yeah. Well, guess what? We were right. It hasn't ended, and it won't end anytime soon. Roads must fall. Mm. This started in South Africa. Uh, well, you know, considering Rhodes did a lot of his life's work in South Africa, kind of makes sense. We're going to take a little trip to South Africa. We're going to go inside a South African university, inside of a classroom, because uh, Roads Must Fall has expanded 
into what they call a fallist movement. So essentially just anything they don't like, it must fall. Uh, this video appeared earlier in the week. Yeah. And uh, the setup is it's a South African university where on you've got uh, two desks side by side and you've got some South African students. Uh, There's an audience of people who are mostly science teachers and um, science students. Uh, okay. And they're, they're being and they're listening to... They're like a protest. They're, they're a protest movement. And what they're saying is science is too white, too Western. And there was post-World War II. There's a period of time that's referred to as the decolonization of Africa, where African countries, one by one, they were gaining independence. And they were kind of saying, look, we're getting our independence back. And there's like a domino effect. And by yeah. the mid 80s, I think like 90 percent of African countries were independent. But there's uh, this protest group, Science Must Fall. They're saying, look, it's got to go further than that decolonization means we have to get rid of western influences altogether they went for an easy target at the beginning no cecil Rhodes. yes now they're going after science so science is the second thing they're going after yeah that's a giant leap (laughs) yeah pretty much so our plan for this segment (laughs) is basically we're going to fill time by watching this video and we're going to pause it at kind of moments that we feel like we have to say something in response and it's this woman's talking. There, there are there are people that are also making comments as well that might not be picked up that will point out. Yeah, because like I said, the audience are like a mixture of science professors and science students, and they're yeah. they, it's almost like they've kind of been dragged into this room to hear about how their field of study should actually be destroyed. <laughs> We're going to have a little listen to the video now. Okay, so um, can I respond to your submissions because I wanted to directly respond. I was actually thinking about this coming here because I thought that it was going to be one of the, the, the coming questions, how do we even start to decolonize science because science is true because it is science and, you know, what can you do? And my, my... Okay, I'm stopping her there. Science is true because it is science. That's not what science says, really, because science is, science isn't like a body of knowledge. It's not it's like like a school of thought either really it's just a method of testing theories and ideas like you you take an a you take a natural phenomenon like two pieces of the natural world and you try and come up with an idea of how these two things interact with each other mm. and that's like a theory or a hypothesis you then use the, what is called do you remember the scientific method do you remember being taught this yeah. in school you take that you filter your idea through you well you test a it a trial system yeah which is what the science is. Which has to be is. replicatable. Yeah, exactly. And this is, it's, we just, you can't use the scientific method to say anything for 100% certainty, mm. but you can, it's reliable. The results are typically reliable enough that you can kind of count on this newfound piece this of knowledge that it's going to work. Science, more scientists work on certain ability, the probability of something. She's treating it like it's like an ethos. And it's like a reinforcing philosophy that says, it like with circular logic, that we're right because we're right because we say we're right. We we must be right because we say we're right. Do you know mm. what I mean? It just keeps going round and round in circles. But anyway, we'll let her. Do you want to say anything on that? No, no, continue. What can you do? And my, my response to that was, if I personally were committed to enforcing decolonization, science as a whole is a product of Western modernity and the whole thing should be scratched off. <laughs> Especially in Africa. So if you want, if you want to... She's talking about Western modern standards. And this is the thing. She wants to get rid of Western influences. Mm. But what about Western technology? Like, she probably has a smartphone. Does she want to give that up? She probably has, like, a Wi-Fi modem in her house, a student dorm, whatever. Does she want to give that up? Ah, no, see, what they're doing is starting from now, well, they're not t- They're not going to take in information. Ah, uh, right. But they're happy with what they've got now. And don't get me wrong, 
their scientists will build on the information they have now that someone's already given the foot up. They're turning their nose up at everything that's come before, though. It's kind of like they're having it both ways. Of course. I don't like that. She's standing on the shoulders of giants. She's standing on the shoulders of Cecil Rhodes. And she's pulled her <laughs> knickers down and she's just pissing all over his head. All right, carrying on. So if you want, if you want practical solutions to how to decolonize science, we'd have to restart science from, I don't know, an African perspective, from our perspective. Okay, so you were kind of right. Re- restart science from an African perspective. Uh, well, she's saying restart, but I think you're right in that she's going to take the science. benefits... Everything, everything we technology. have now, yeah. and they'll build on, going like, you know what, let's not have universities talk to each other. Let's just have our university talking to each other and just building our own base of information. Now, there's a bit of an irony here, where uh, there was a certain Western European country that tried to do something similar with this. They they made a kind of a nationalistic science, or at least physics. Ooh, who's this? I'll give you a little clue. This whole notion of nationalistic science ended when World War II ended. I don't want to be mean to the Germans, but we're talking about Germany. Yeah, okay. And it kind of, it didn't lead, it wasn't a direct cause. This started, in, I think, in the 1920s. And it didn't directly cause Nazism, but it helped. It helped foster an environment where nationalism would sell, because you're already doing science in a really nationalistic way. Carrying on. Please continue, crazy lady. Perspective from our perspective of how we've experienced science. For instance, uh, I had a question for all the science people. Is uh, there's uh, a place uh, in Kesar in Kabyalingana, and they believe that through uh, the magic, the black magic, you call it black magic, they call it witchcraft, others that you are able to send a lightning to strike someone. So, can- okay, I'm stopping it here because she's basically doing what is quite common with people who aren't enamored with science and kind of view it almost like an enemy it is a magic how do you make the rain well it's they try and point out a flaw in science is that oh you science can't explain the supernatural and that's right science can't explain the supernatural but it's not designed to science is a method for testing theories ideas that explain natural phenomena and how they relate to each other and react to each other it's not you know she's trying to throw this out there as like this is a weakness of science that it doesn't have the answer to it. Yeah, and it's not It's not supposed to. <laughs> that doesn't to. make sense. It wasn't designed to answer supernatural claims. Let's see what happens when uh, one of the audience members actually pipes up. She's talking about how there's a belief that witch doctors can strike people with lightning and that science can't disprove this. To strike someone. So can you explain that scientifically? Because it's if it's something that happens... It's okay, did you hear someone yell yeah, something said, like that? It's not true. Yeah. The idea that the witch doctor can kill people with lightning. It's not true. And of course, I, I like the idea that that's the, the, the top scientific, uh, African scientific thing. And like, murder. We need to learn how to murder more people. What? Oh, we have to explore the various methods We're, that we can kill uh, that, people That is with. the first scientific project for <laughs> <laughs> decolonized science. Yeah. Murder people. Imagine, you wouldn't need an army. You could just kill people a thousand miles away with lightning bolts. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, it beats drones. But there's something interesting that happens here. This, uh, like, probably a science professor stood up and said, he's basically had enough mm. of this, what is really guff. It's almost disgusting how happy they are that someone said something. Yeah, they're laughing. They're kind of pointing and laughing. And there's a moderator in grey. I, I assume she's some sort of moderator. She has, uh, She's kind of taken offence to the fact that one of the science guys in the audience spoke out. Let's see what she says in response. 
I think it's quite interesting. Sorry, um, I need to address you directly. When we started this, we agreed on certain house rules. Okay. And by you doing that, you are disrespecting the sacredness of the space. And so I'd like to ask you to first please apologize to the panel directly. And then number two, understand the rules that we went by in this space. Because it's going to be very problematic. This, when you started, this is not an antagonizing space. And so what you're trying to do is collapse this space and make it antagonizing. You're really wrong by just saying something and we have set a set of rules and we're better people because we're controlled adults. Yeah, she's trying to be the adult Fuck in the room that. by adopting a really condescending tone yeah. and saying, you broke the rules. We had rules. But what she's saying there about how this isn't a university and she's saying this isn't an antagonizing space. And what, what I think this is a, an exhibition of is something called groupthink. Oh, yeah, no, very much. Like, groupthink is the idea that within a group of people, when you're discussing something, Mm. you don't want to ever take the risk of offending any member of that group. You don't ever want to rock the boat. Mm. And what I really kind of hate about groupthink is it's it's a system that is susceptible to the worst kind of people, the loudest kind of people, the most hypersensitive, the most sociopathic, the most manipulative people. They're the ones who will dominate that group, Mm. and it's their ideas that eventually basically get pushed. It's not like it's a weakness of groupthink that it's not even really group thinking. No, it's very much like we we invited you here to have a debate, but uh, not really. But you're not allowed to say anything until yeah. we've said our thing. Not about you. Yeah, it's not it's a about debate. Us. It's about it's a talk. We're giving a talk, but we're saying it's a debate. Mm. And did you notice how they were kind of pointing the people, the decolonizers of science? They were kind of laughing and like they were making up like, oh, the fact that you objected. Mm. to what we said proves our point which doesn't make any sense no it doesn't they're they're employing really circular logic here the decolonizers oh we said that you would be mistaken in objecting to what we're saying and the fact that you did object to what we said proves that we were right and you Mm. were wrong and it means we live in a hostile environment that no one ever believes in us so we're martyrs to our cause but what is university supposed to be if not a space different ideas compete against one another. And and for a lack of a better term, they compete. We've talked about this before, about safe spaces in university, which is retarded. They've taken it way too far. Today it means, I don't don't want to hear anything that I disagree with. I don't want to experience anything that might make me feel a bit uncomfortable. But I mean, I feel for the science people here, because they they obviously don't want to offend their uh, opponents, for lack of a better word. Not enemies, opponents. Intellectual opponents. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're going to try and be really nice about it. And even though these these rules that she's talking about, this moderator in the grey, I'll leave the link in the description for you guys. What she's saying here is absolute bullshit. They're trying to stack the deck against the people who are off camera in the audience. I'll tell you one thing. The textbooks of their science are going to be fucking brilliant for some people. <laughs> what, what, Do you think this is... Well, I mean, I don't... Yeah, we'll finish the video. Yeah. And that is it. For the re- whether people knew Newton or not, or whether whatever happens in Western Africa, Northern Africa, the thing is, the only way to explain gravity is through Newton, who sat under a tree and saw an apple fall. So Western modernity is the problem that decolonization directly deals with, to say that we are going to decolonize by having 
knowledge that is produced by us, that speaks to us, and that is able to accommodate knowledge from our perspective. So if you're saying that you disagree with her approach, it means that you are vested in the Western and Eurocentric way of understanding, which means you yourself still need to go back internally, decolonize your mind, come back and say, how can I re-look at what I've been studying all these Decolonize your mind. Mm. That means that I've never heard that not used other than in a cult. It sounds amazingly repressive. Yeah. Like it's the kind of thing of where you're pathologizing someone in a really oppressive way and malicious, I think, as well. Mm. Basically, she it's almost like she's arguing in favor of like a form or like a benevolent form of brainwashing. Yeah. And of course, like you say, she's being really opportunistic. She's gonna take all of the Western knowledge that she finds beneficial yeah. and then start from there. Which is kind of disingenuous. She should really do away with all Western knowledge. Not from scratch. Yeah, really. She's that committed to decolonizing South Africa and her own mind. I assume she wants to decolonize as well. Look at her. she's wearing Western clothes. And and you f- and you feel this is going to come in. This is going to this this philosophy is going to come. Oh yeah. To us. Oh yeah. Because look, BLM <laughs> came over here, but yeah. this will come over. It'll come over here. Halfish of academia will just kind of like whatever. Yeah, not interested in this. It's just silly. But humanities, the soft sciences, they'll go for this. And the reason is, we live in a very—it's not honor culture. It's not shame culture. It's victim culture. Yeah. Okay. Where the premise is, if you are a victim, mm. you have a certain level of moral virtue. You mm. have a certain yeah. objectivity in your outlook on life because you're a victim because you're mm. underprivileged. Yeah, you're a living you're, bruise. Everyone sees the bruise. Everyone yeah. feels sorry for the bruise. It'll heal eventually, but we'll, there'll be a scar, and we'll have to see it, because when we see it from the outside, we don't understand what it's like. And it's really hard to argue against, mm. because their whole position is, well, you're privileged, we're not. And by saying you saying to us we're wrong, you're basically oppressing us. And it's hard for the hard, yeah, the, the scientist, the STEM kind of subject, but, it's hard for them to stand up to this and fight against it, especially when there's cultural relativism going around. The idea that you can't say one culture is superior to another, which leaves you in a really tricky spot when someone comes to you and says, well, my culture is superior to yours. And you're just kind of like, oh, um, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're but, right, actually. But I mean, like, uh, we were the, bastards who slept in this country, people. we don't have um, creationism. Australia, then. We don't do have, have that. Catholic and Islamic schools that tend to teach that creationism, um, yeah. the Big Bang yeah. theory, evolution, they and tend the problem, to teach it's bollocks. Yeah. And no, I, I, I think I can see it becoming like a, a humanities thing, you totally, but I don't think it'll infect science. I'm hoping there's a real clear wall of separation between, but the latest kind of thing that's on Vogue is saying uh, people who do the hard sciences, the STEM subjects, they need greater influence from the humanities when it should really be the other way around, in my view. Like, that hard scientific rigour should be mm. applied in, acad- in academia across the board. Like, there shouldn't be little loopholes or exemptions to anything like that. Then- and it shouldn't, there shouldn't be any groupthink, no, don't I- you think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I think we need to decolonise the show and have separate... Yeah. Tom, Dick, and Hyman shows, but oh, yeah, our off. own sciences. Because I think if I click my pen six times, lightning will strike Tom. <laughs> right. If you want to use normal Western sciences to hear more of us, I think you need to check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Twitter. Well, that's not a real outro, is it? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Tom, Dick, and Hyman show. The clowns got tired listening to this lady... 
they killed themselves. They literally died of boredom whilst listening to us. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't ever miss an episode. You can follow us on SoundCloud if you're an anti-Apple kind of guy. Good. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at TDH Show. Until next time. Avante! Avante!